Hey friend, get ready to listen in on some long-form conversations and stories with people who are awakening the church for such a time as this. You'll hear from pastors, authors, advocates, and regular people just like you and me who are all part of the remnant rising to wake the church up. Hey guys, it's Brittany Jones. Welcome to another episode of the All My Favorite People podcast. I have missed you guys so much. So thank you so much for coming back and joining me again as I sort of get ramped back up and started for the summer. I have with me today my friends Leslie and Jessica from Moms for Liberty and here in Seminole County. Good morning, girls. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good, good. I'm so excited to have you girls. Um, They just went to Moms for Liberty Tally Days, which is uh, where a bunch of the ladies here in Florida from Moms for Liberty go up to Tallahassee and speak on some of these policies and different things um, that we're seeing in schools and on school boards that are concerning. Um, all of us are concerned moms. We have children in the public school system. And we sort of met about, well, I guess it's over a year ago now, um, just fighting this fight and trying to stand up for our kiddos. I will do a shameless plug really quick before we get started. I made these shirts. They say we have a generation to save and ain't that the truth. Um, and that's really what we're trying to do here. We are trying to change the system. The system is broken. It needs to be fixed. And we are trying to be the hands and feet um, and the loud voices sometimes that get that job done. So um, if you like the shirt, peacelovetshirt.com, that's where you can support me and the podcast and our family business. Um, but without further ado, let's jump into this conversation. So Leslie, um, I'm going to start with you because Jessica's been on the podcast before. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself um, and how you got connected with Moms for Liberty and what your role is there in Seminole County? So hello, and it's Brittany. Thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate it and how quick you were able to go. Let's do it. So um, I'm excited. Uh, yes, it is my first kind of official podcast. So you're kind of popping my cherry, Miss Brittany. Uh, thank you for that. Um, but um, I, you know, we all met pretty much during the pandemic. Um, we all had one common ground, and that was. Um, to ensure that uh, our school board was not going to keep masks on our children. And, um, you know, me and Jessica, we kind of, you know, met there and clicked a little bit there. And here we are. We are Moms for Liberty. Moms for Liberty, let me just tell you that it has taken off since the shift. I want to put that out there. I want to say Jessica Tillman, um, she has taken over Moms for Liberty Seminole County and has made it into something that when people talk about Moms for Liberty, their first thought is Seminole County and how we've made so many impacts, like whether it was having our district remove masks, whether it was ensuring they weren't going to put masks back on. So Jessica, I just want to tell you, you are my hero and I am so grateful to have you as a as a, just a, a neighbor, you know what I mean? She looks like five minutes away from me. So uh, thank you for all that you do for our 
school um, schools and our community. Uh, and that, I mean that. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Thank you. That means a lot to me. <laughs> Your check is in the mail. I love it. Leslie, Thank you. <laughs> tell us what you what your role is at Moms for Liberty Seminole because I um I first of all I agree with you a hundred percent. Jessica came to Orange County to our meetings when we were first kind of getting started and looked at several of us that were there and said, y'all need to start a Moms for Liberty. And so we did. Um, but Jessica was there with her Robert's Rules of Order and her binder full of, you know, everything you could ever possibly want to know, um, showing up like a boss. And so she inspired me as well. Um, but what you guys have going on in Seminole County is so cool because you've done a great job, I think, of um, finding the need, finding the pain points that are within your district, and then tackling those issues specifically. And so, Leslie, I think you are, if, correct me if I'm wrong, the chair of the uh, the ESE or special needs kind of committee that you guys have over there? So we went with the special needs committee um, to make it just, the, you know, generalize everything. Um, so I went into it, you know, I was a little hesitant. I am, a, I'm a hype person. I like to, and I'm good at that. I, yeah, I you know are. what I'm, you know, I love to cheer on my people that I know will do good. So, you know, Jessica was like, listen, I you know, we need to, we need to expand. We need to expand. So I took it and kind of ran with it. And of course I made Larissa Morgan, our co-chair to have people that are special needs parents to be in the committee is also meaningful because we're coming from a place of passion to try to make a difference. And I think that is what we are seeing here right now. I mean, what we've done with our school board this year, you know, we've implemented um, every nine weeks to meet with our ESC board and kind of just go over things. Um, done a lot of good on on that. Um, and that's kind of where we're at with that. Yeah. Well, you and me were special needs mamas. So I, I, I always appreciated that that was one of your focuses right off the rip from in Seminole County, because, you know, that's why I showed up at school board meetings. You put a mask on my kid who worked so hard to just speak. And now you're going to put a mask on him and on his teacher. I was like that, like mama bear totally came out in me. And so I love that that's been one of y'all's focuses right off the bat. Um, Jessica, if you want to speak to that and sort of give everybody a little tidbit about yourself and, and who you are and, and what you're up to uh, with Moms for Liberty as well. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, so I am a mother of four. Uh, my daughter was in sixth grade during the masking year. Um, and I absolutely refused to leave her in a mask. And I fought with the school board. I fought with the principal. And by the end of the year, I was walking in the school with no mask on and yelling at the principal, telling him that my daughter will no longer be wearing a mask. So he was like, well, we can have a conversation. And I was like, with all due respect, sir. We've been having a conversation and this is the end of the conversation. So I was going to the school board meetings and I was, um, and actually I put her teachers on the thread and one of the teachers responded and was like, thank you so much for putting me on this thread. <laughs> but <laughs> so we were going to the school board meetings and I, I just listened to the, 
what people are saying at the podium, you know, like when they come and they talk about their special needs children not being being supported, you know, that's a problem. When they come and they tell you that their kid is having problems breathing, you can't put them in a mask, you know, it's, it's common sense issues, you know, listen to what the people are saying. Those are the issues and we need to fix them. That's where we got with the special needs. So we, we came across that special needs really was an issue in Seminole County. So we focused on it there. The the books are being brought up. So we looked into it. You know, it's, it's common sense. Like everybody's coming up and speaking about discipline right now. You know, it's common sense. These are the issues that people are facing every day in schools and we need to address them. Yeah. I'm so glad that we have an organization like Moms for Liberty that has championed um, I think our voices, right? Like I, I don't feel like I had a voice prior to finding this organization and then realizing like, oh my gosh, there are so many other parents like me who, you know, the wool was sort of pulled over our eyes for so many years. And then when COVID happened, it lifted that and we were able to see behind the curtain and see what really was going on and what, what needed to be addressed. And, um, you know, we'll just, we'll, we'll speak to the elephant in the room, which is, you know, we're also domestic terrorists, of course. Um, (laughs) And I think, you know, there is this negative connotation around Moms for Liberty sometimes, but at the end of the day, I think the vast majority of us want to be bridge builders. We want to be people who go to our school board, to our schools, to the administration, and find solutions to these problems, not just pointing them out. I mean, let's talk about it in like the context of marriage, right? When you point out all the flaws in your spouse all the time, they're like, what the heck? But if you come with a solution or you can meet in the middle, you know, you can get traction, you can get somewhere with that. And so I love to see you girls doing that. Um, And I do agree with Leslie. I think you guys are sort of the standard, if you will, as far as Moms for Liberty is concerned, taking it seriously, you know, being well organized and showing up day in and day out to do the hard work that sometimes you're alone in those meetings, Jess, I've seen you. Um, yes. So I, I I so appreciate your dedication, both of you to um, helping resolve a lot of these issues that we're seeing in schools these day, these days. And I guess that brings us right into what was shared at Tally Days this year. I didn't have the opportunity to go, but you girls came back, yeah, ready to like hit the ground running. Um, Jess, will you kind of speak to what you learned and we can sort of start unpacking that uh, after? Yeah, absolutely. So we had the rally um, in the morning. It was really great. We had uh, the Speaker of the House spoke. We had uh, Representative Randy Fine. Um, many others spoke. It was very inspirational. And then we went and watched session. And we had the privilege of watching discussion on uh, Rachel Plackens' bill um, to separate boys, girls, and unisex bathrooms. Um, seems like common sense, right? So, I mean, there the options are there. There's a boy bathroom, there's a girl bathroom, and then there's a unisex bathroom for anybody else that feels the need to use it. So the arguments that some of these representatives came across were quite disappointing, uh, to say the least. Um, so we have 
Florida state representatives that don't know how to define what a woman is. So that was really concerning. Um, but the, the, all of their amendments failed. So we still have the, the, and they did pass, they ended up passing the bill. So now we have boys, girls and unisex bathrooms. What is the big deal? Why is that politicized? So, uh, while we were in session, we had, we heard, um, screaming in the rotunda. So some of us went out there to see what was going on. And there was just people screaming in the Capitol and to the point where they, uh, ransacked the house floor. They wanted to come into the, um, what is it? The, the viewing area. Um, but they weren't allowed in because they were rioting. They were being loud. They were screaming. They were forcing some of our mem- our Moms for Liberty members weren't able to get out. They were pushing them back in. So it, it got a little hectic to say the least. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. So yeah, Leslie, yeah. tell me a little bit about what you heard from Kath, Catherine. Yes. Um, in well, regards to some of the student privacy issues that we're seeing. So I think the biggest thing is um, she's, she talked about the, the gist of it is informed consent. Um, you know, and I'll, I'll read a little bit. Uh, we were given this um, paper in our, in our little tote bags. Um, and at the end, it says, Moms for Liberty believes legislation is needed that strictly curtails data collection on our children and enshrines informed consent. Legislation before the Florida House and Senate, while seemingly well-intentioned, does not do so and has potential unintended consequences that codify violations of privacy and tacitly condone a lack of informed consent. Vague bill language may lead to loopholes and allow expansive, unnecessary data collection to continue. For these reasons, we oppose SB 662 and HB 699, Student Online Personal Information Protection Act. Hmm. So, again, this is all new things that we are learning about um, her just speaking on it, you know, goosebumps, chills. There's no privacy protection. There's no protection for our children's um, information. Now, what information? Oh, well, they're just there for a couple of hours. What are they gonna do, their homework? I mean, no, these kids are given laptops to come home with. These kids are having to do their homework, um, having to turn in through Canvas. Me, I mean, I, I do all this stuff. I have to upload my birth certificate, my my health records, my shop records to these third parties that schools are using, okay? Now, who is this third party? Do Are they protecting my information? There was a study that was done on children. They got that information on these children by accessing the student records information from public schools. It's mind-blowing what can be done with our children's information by these third-party vendors that our public schools are using to do schoolwork, to do any type of work, to even participate in sports. Mm. So that was just one part of that. Jessica, I'm sure, can explain a little more. 
Right. So uh, some of the things that they said that can be collected is personally personally identifiable information. So that's like your race, your gender, things like that. So your age, uh, your hair color, your eye color, you know, it'd be personal identifiable information. They can collect grades, homework, essays, quizzes, tests, exams, arts, and messages. Teacher, administrators, input, um, behavioral information, psychological, SEL, device, IDs, IP, locations, algorithm use data to create data and metadata. So they can collect everything they're doing on these uh, school assigned computers. So they're collecting all this data and they're selling it to the third parties uh, or inform the parents that this data is being collected or allow for an opt out of this data being collected. So it it was very concerning to hear that this is happening because they're using it. She was explaining that they are using this information um, so to enroll your kids in college. So they're go- they're looking at this data and saying, "Well, you had some issues here, so you're going to be less um, credible to go into college." So it was really concerning to hear some of the things that she said that they were using it for. So they use your test scores. Um, they can pull your test scores, your quizzes, and like having a college board have access to this data without us providing it to them is concerning. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I even remember when the laptops first came home in co- when, you know, we're in the middle of COVID that everyone had to have a Google account, right? Like my child now has a Google account. And when my child logs into that for school, or if they're just home and they want to like, you know, play ABC uh, or something on their laptop. um, It concerned me that like Google is actually tracking all of that. Um, And I was telling actually Leslie the other day, there was an excellent episode and I'm going to have to go back and put in the show notes, which episode it was, but Joe Rogan did an episode with a a gentleman who um, basically explained, like, if you use an Android phone, if you use a laptop, a Chrome or anything where there's Google installed, like they know everything. Right. And so I think the difference is I'm an adult. I can consent to using my phone. I can consent to sending an email um, or being on social media, but my child, that's a whole different ball game. You're, you're, you're monitoring how much time they're spending, what websites they're looking at. Um, just all sorts of things. Like you said, like personal identifiable information that as a mom, that kind of freaks me out. Right. Like I, I don't want some, like you said, third party company that has no interest other than taking that data and and utilizing it for really, we don't know what they're utilizing it for. Um, So students' data is being mined essentially by these private vendors and that these vendors are unvetted, which is an issue. And then also there's no opt-out for parents. I think you were sharing with me that the woman had tried to opt out, right? She tried to say, I want paper and pencil for my kids and that's like not an option anymore there's research that shows that a pen a paper and pencil exam children do much better on than a, a computerized 
exam. So sure. you should have the option to request a paper exam and you just don't, they re refuse the, the request. So, mm. so she said that she had records request denied. She, cause we, so we can't have this data, but a third party vendor can. So she requested her, her, her child's data and they refused. Um, she tried to opt them out of health tests. She tried to opt them out of iReady. They wouldn't let, they said, oh, sure, you can opt out of iReady and then force the child to do it anyway. So it, they denied her children's sports access because they wanted a paper form to sign instead of electronic signing. Uh, so it, it, it goes pretty deep and it shows that there has been data, data breaches, breaches with the ed tech. So that's concerning as well. Um, and there's misuse in P Pinel, uh, Pasco County, Florida had issues with it. So it's not perfect. And China, hello, they're monitoring everything, right? So yep. it's it's very concerning. And it's going to keep growing the more we are more reliant on our technology. Now, she's saying I'm not pushing to go back into um you know, ancient times where everybody uses computers, everybody uses the internet, everybody, but there's got to be some type of accountability. There's got to be some type of, of privacy. There's got to be protection for our children, our information. There is none of that. Schools don't have the capability to, or the means to vet these vendors on who they are, what they're doing. So th that's just an, a whole other, um, you know, legislation matter because you need to put funding then if that's going to be the issue. I mean, schools lack money all the time. This is going to be a concern, obviously, for all schools. We don't have the money. Who's going to vet these vendors? I mean, we just signed a contract. They gave us, you know, the deal. And here we are. The The message was clear in that room. Um, we've we've got a little battle on our hands. And um, it's it's just starting. And we just need to all. No, we need to be prepared. We all need to be on board because I, I, I was talking about this with some parents and some parents are like, so what? They have a cell phone. They're always on their cell phone. Their information, who cares? Why, why is it a big deal? It's a big deal if my kid isn't like consenting. I, like, you know what I mean? That's, that's, that's the issue that I have as a parent is where's the consent? Mm hmm. And we've seen some of these people and organizations that are school boards and have partnered with in the past that have turned out to be not good partnerships. <laughs> we have relationships with Zuckerberg Foundation. We have relationships with um, Bill Gates's foundation, like those things are already in place. Do you think that they're not going to end up with our kids' data if those partnerships are already there? Um, I think it's prudent and wise of us as parents to be on the forefront of finding out as much information about this as possible. Like you said, it's like we're not going to go back to olden times. We're not doing everything paper and pencil, but for a parent to be able to say. I don't want this third party vendor to have my child's hair and eye color and height and weight and uh, VPN and location. I think mm -hmm. that's 
I don't think that's asking too much as a parent. One of the other speakers I think you guys had up there was Chrisanne Hall. And I'm actually curious. I love her too. I'm curious what she had to say, if anything, about the concept of co-parenting with the government. Because I've seen her make a, make comments in regards to if you put your child in a government school, you are in essence, co-parenting with the government. So here we are. That's like our motto, right? We don't co-parent with the government. And we have our children in these schools. So I'm curious if there was any conversation around that this weekend. There was no conversation around that. um, But she did speak very highly about founding mothers. And, you know, everybody speaks about the founding fathers. Well, we they would have been nowhere without the founding mothers. They have all these letters, all these records of these strong women giving these founding founding fathers advice, support, and care. You know, they never gave them any backlash for going. They knew that they were fighting for a new generation, not even their own. So it it puts that inside of us to keep going because we're not fighting for our generation. We're fighting for our children's generation and further. So we have to keep that in mind when we are keeping uh, this battle going. Yeah. She definitely brought some history in there and um, things that had me like, just, I couldn't hold back my tears because it was so powerful to hear as a woman to know how much of an impact we had before the Boston Tea Party, like seven, we're talking about 1774, that there's history, there's, there's, there's petitions from these women and they, they're the ones that started it. They had the guts, like, you know, so she was even saying, you know, our, our generation today, we're so used to like bringing down the men and saying how much women were, were put down and how much we were just, like treated like no one you know women have a major role in american history okay that's all and i didn't know that and a lot and i was just crying it was great it was was a beautiful it's like you know kind of to touch on that our education system i i don't know i'm assuming the two of you both came through public schools like i did and um it's almost like they don't teach that women were a powerful part of the the movement so that they can teach that women are oppressed. Right. It's almost like they don't teach that there were black people who were very much a part of certain movements so that they can teach that people of color are oppressed, right? And so there is a an omission of the truth of our history um, that I think would embolden a lot of people if they actually knew it. And that's why I love people like Chrisanne. I'd love, Chrisanne, if you're listening, I'd love to have you on the podcast. (laughs) Because seriously, (laughs) like, I remember sitting, um, listening to her. And I think I told you this, Leslie, I left that interaction feeling like she didn't make me feel dumb. But I felt dumb because I'm like, I don't know. I don't know history in a way that I should, you know. A lot of us don't. 
And then we feel ill-equipped to teach our children things because we never learned them, you know? Um, but I, I, I digress. Um, is there anything else in regards to the kids and the mining of the data and these third-party vendors? Um, Jess, is there anything else that we skipped over or didn't touch on that you'd like to, to bring up? Well, I would like to say that some of the recommendations that she had was to demand from your school paper, pencil assignments, tests, and quizzes, paper books, teachers uh, be done, uh, teaching be done by teachers and not machines. Mm. So they're throwing these kids on there. They're doing iReady. They're doing uh, Khan Academy. But they're sitting on these computers and the teachers aren't watching them. They're not monitoring. So they don't see the whole lesson with them. So I, the teachers aren't reviewing the lessons prior to the children seeing them. So how are they going to help monitor if they're, they don't even know what the kids are watching? Um, but she says require uh, schools to honor education technology opt outs. Uh, prior uh, par parental written informed consent for data collection and data sharing. Um, and Born consent means uh, knowledge of vendor data dictionaries. So the, the schools keep, I guess, the data dictionary of who the vendors are. So request that in a public records request so that you know the vendors that the schools are working with. Uh, AI, um, algorithm use, shared, collected, or in, inferred data. Uh, require schools to turn off all data collection created by vendors and uh, prohib prohibition on blockchain storage of the P PII. So it, there are steps that you can take as a parent to help um, protect your child's data. Um, but again, you need the assistance of the schools to do it. So if they're, in, if they're unwilling, then there you go in another circle um, with the district as usual. Mm. Well, we're actually going to do something really quick that we've never done on the podcast before, which is bring more people in. So I love this. Uh, my friend Justin Harvey from We Are Change, um, who is just knowledgeable on so many things that are going on in the world today, um, is going to join us. And so, Justin, thank you for being here. Um, we were just discussing some of the third-party data mining that's happening in our public schools. We've got organizations that are outside the scope of the actual public school system who have created programs and different things that our kids use regularly. And we've just learned that there, there is data mining going on. They can do things as much as no um, personal identifiable information about our children based on the fact that they're logging into their Google Chromebook for school and they're utilizing these other services um, for learning, such as iReady and different things like that. So what we're finding is there's no opt out for our kids to be able, they have to use these technologies um, and there's no consent form for the parent to say, yes, this third party, you know, Zuckerberg Foundation or Bill Gates Foundation, yes, they can have my children's data. There's no informed consent for parents in regards to that. So that's a little bit of what we've been talking about. And I just love to get your two cents on that as well. So you, um, how long has this been going on? Or is this something that just started? 
So for my understanding, it's for sure been since COVID because our kids all came home with laptops, you know, March of 2020, Mm -hmm. and they had to sign up for a Google account um, and everything is pushed through Google Classroom. So I would say spring of 2020 is really when we were seeing this happening, uh, sort of that veil was lifted and we all saw that this is what's happening. Okay, I can interject with that. Um, So from the federal demand for data growth from 2001 with the No Child Left Behind Act uh, for accountability, they were allowed to collect data. 2005, the Florida Department of Education, uh, SLDS, federal grants, they were allowed to uh, collect data because of the grants. Uh, 2009, uh, Florida, the Florida uh, FSLDS also, uh, there's also in uh, 22 um, is also another data element. So it's been going on for quite some time. Such a similar, it's such a similar pattern and, and like trend that we see with our everyday life and the government intruding and these social media companies having the third party um, companies like take our information and sell it to people and to monitor us and to, and it looks like they're doing the exact same things in the schools. I mean, in a nutshell, it is Agenda 2030. It's your centralized surveillance system that they're trying to basically pull over all of us under the guise of what, you know, giving us better, more efficient systems and more convenience and more security. And they're hiding it all under that. This sounds like something that I would take as parents right to the school board and just start hammering them with, hey, this is what's going on. This is against our, you know, this is violating our privacy, you know, informed consent to The parents and the kids knowing where this information is going. The things I was reading in there were alarming. One that stuck out to me was how long the mouth hovers over an answer. Like they're literally looking at every single behavioral thing that you're doing. And some people will try to justify this with, oh, well, this will be great to see how kids are learning and to better and to teach them better. And while there's always some pros with, you know, uh, better technology, we all know at the end of the day they use this stuff to to monitor us, to control us, to stifle dissent. And um, from No Child Left Behind was, again, these are things that are always written on paper. They sound great, like the Patriot Act. Oh, it sounds patriotic. No, it really just locks up people who are dissenters. Um, And this system, think about if you're a dissenter in a school nowadays, how are you going to be able to voice your opinion or try to do something outside the box when everything is becoming more and more controlled. It's just like a digital prison. And I hate to see that stretching into our schools now. Um, I like what I saw in that document as well about forcing them to stick to it with the old school way, paper and pencil. Uh, Some of it's going to be inevitable. I think we have to come to that realization that we're going like we all have cell phones in our hands right now. Um, but we can also fight back against the just overbearing, you know, surveillance and control that they're trying to push on us and our kids. Yeah. You know, I think of the fact though, that we're talking about five and six year olds at the youngest age here. So Google or whoever these companies are, are starting at five years old, monitoring my child's 
you know, internet use and their, their school history and all of that. Talk to us maybe a little bit, and this is where we can project possibly what we think might happen, but what can happen when you have 10, 15, 20, 40 years of data on a, on a little person, you know, following them throughout their life? What, what could that potentially look like? I mean, that's, that's a very terrifying thought, because knowing what I know about how deeply rooted and corrupt the education system as a whole, being funded by the Rockefellers, that when it became a federal thing, when it became Rockefeller funded, we know that they were creating obedient workers and not critical thinkers. And they wanted the children to be a product of the state. They wanted them to be raised by the state, not the family. Um, you can even take it further and deeper and, and talk about women's liberation and how the Rockefellers uh, wanted to fund that because they knew if they got women working and taxed and into the workforce, they can tax other, the other half of the nation and get the children into the hands of the state sooner. So there were so many ulterior motives to these things that we think are about freedom and education, and they're, they're taking our children. And, and now to think that the children are going to be also raised and monitored by Internet companies? Google? I mean, that's terrifying. I mean, Google is essentially in bed with the CIA and Big Pharma. So these are the people that are going to be not only monitoring your kids, but like you said, how much time are they going to have to steer um, a population? You know, you can control a nation by controlling what the kids believe and what the kids are doing. And if they're seeing the patterns of these children and able to control and monitor that and it's just a very scary thing. We need to get the kids back into a little schoolhouse that doesn't have internet, and the parents have more more eyes and ears in there than Google and the federal government and all these other people that should not be raising the children. Yeah, I totally agree. Leslie. But, but um, you know, uh, Justin, you, um, the lady, when we saw this lady that was bringing this to our attention, you know, she did mention that there was a WEF 2022 annual meeting talking about Brave New World. Um, so they're not even being um, hidden about their agenda. I mean, she put a quote, urgency in re-imaging education whose future includes a heavy dose of virtual reality and artificial intelligence technologies. So that's just a little quote that they used in one of their meetings. So now it, it, it just, what are, what are parents going to do at this point? I mean, it's, it's, it seems like they're throwing it in our face. So like Justin said, it'll be a very scary thing to see. Well, the good thing about, I think there is silver lining to sort of what you said, because COVID has really exposed the medical system and the education system for what they really are. And I don't think we're ever going back. I mean, we talk about how many people are never going to allow, not just going to send their relatives off to the hospital just on a whim or just take a vaccine on a whim ever again. These people that trusted the system and we're seeing the school happen the same way. You know, look at Alicia getting elected school board um, member in Orange County and how much, you know, hell we raised in Seminole and Orange together over the last few years. We're not going back. So we're going to be so hyper focused on these things, just like like there was and uh, when No Child Left Behind came out, there wasn't a podcast, not that there were podcasts, but there weren't people talking like we were probably about how to head these things off. So I still think we have the upper hand because 
they've got to pass this stuff through and they've it's got to it's got to get by us and that's going to be very hard to do now that we're all hyper focused it was like how are they going to hide the the vaccine injury when everyone was focused on the vaccine they're not going to be able to just shove these school books into these schools now or pull these digital systems over our kids because we are now looking closer than ever and we can start putting people in the school boards. We can go and hijack these public comment periods and educate the school board members. I think that's, that's going to be our saving grace and we'll just take it back over from a local level, you know, just re-infiltrate it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I do think there are sort of two paths at this point that parents can take like you said, they can sort of fight like hell and show up at school board meetings and get the right people on the school board and make sure there there is protections for our students um, in so many areas, not just the, this digital data mining, but we need it all over uh, the educational system. And then I, I love what you said, Justin, and I'm going to use it as a plug because I am working with an, an organization called Florida Citizens Alliance. We are looking to start micro schools across the state of Florida, one room schoolhouses with maybe a tutor or parents and teachers oh, wow. coming together, getting our kids out of public schools, out of government schools and going in that sense, we want to go back, right? There is a sense of take it back to its original intent, which is actually teaching history, you know, teaching, you know, like real history, like the things that actually happened and not this, um, these theories and these ideologies, but teaching the basics, having that foundational education for kids in a place where parents are involved again. Um, and I think, I really think those are kind of the two paths. Like I understand not every parent is going to be able to pull their kid out and do homeschooling or do a micro school or co-op. But if you're going to stick with the system, we need to fix the system. And it's going to, it's going to take all eyes um, on what they're actually doing and holding these people accountable for the decisions that they're making. Yeah, 100%. I agree. And those things will naturally evolve, too. It's just like when, you know, one social media company fades away or gets taken down, another one, it creates itself. And when the schools get bad enough, new ones will create themselves. And um, that's also like what I tell people is, is I don't even have kids in the school system. I don't know that I ever will. But there's there's always going to be people in the school system, most likely, you know, it's there's a lot of people in this world and they're not all, like you said, going to go to the co-op situation or start local. But I'm still willing to, you know, fight for them. And it also when you're at those school board meetings, I'm sure everybody's at a school board meeting and you hear the person go up there and give the homeschool speech. And then you're like, wow, but there is another option. So we're planting seeds in places we don't even know when we're still fighting in the in the battlefield there. But the alternative systems, I do think, will be the way, whether it's alternative little uh, farmer's market grocery stores back local or, um, you know, trading and barter systems, these little local schools. I think that will be the answer because we know that these places deep down are not the answer for the kids at the end of the day. Now, I will say the parents who get it, you can still save your child, you know, from the indoctrination because then you can you can teach them the right and wrong way. And they can also see, oh, wow, there is how 
my friends are and all my peers are understanding and that's how they're falling for it and I get it now. You know, you can also show them the right way. So there's pros and cons I think to being in both systems. I also uh I'm I'm grateful for growing up in the in the regular school system, even though it tried to trick me on most things in life. Yeah. <laughs> Girls, you got anything to add to that? You know, I just have to say that we all grew up in the public system, um, but I yep. think we all, I think we've all come to the realization of the grieving part that public schools is not what we once were at. I mean, it's nowhere near. There's just too much political agenda going on at this point. Um, but I just wanted to say that I appreciate you, Justin. Thank you so much. You're always fighting. Jessica, you're always fighting. And we're just still in here, man. Yeah, and I I will agree with that. You know, I went through public education my entire life. I've been to two public universities and I was actually finishing up my last degree during the pandemic. So I saw I was getting a, a, a degree in food and nutrition and I saw the agenda being pushed in my classes. So I was like, I see you, but I'm not playing your game. So I understand that some people don't know the game. And it's alarming that people don't want to understand what's going on. For sure. Mm -hmm. And I think to your point before, Justin, you know, my middle son, my oldest is 18. He graduated from the time he started school to the time he graduated. I can honestly say the school system changed completely in those 13 years. But my middle is 13 and he's my sort of. Reminds me of me, a little rebellious, a little like questions everything. And he is still in a public school and he will come home and say, well, why? Like, why are they doing that? Or why is that such a big deal? Or that doesn't seem right to me. And so I, I love your point because I don't want to like shame parents or guilt parents who still have kids in public schools. There is an opportunity there to have a very clear right and wrong truth and you know, false, um, and be able to cultivate that question asking, that curiosity in your kids so that they don't just grow up and say, um, you know, well, that's what they told me in school. So I believe it. I mean, I think we've all been there and, and, and there is an unpacking that needs to happen eventually, um, where you realize like, Kind of like you say about the internet, not everything on the internet is true, right? Not everything they taught you in school is is true. It it by and large is a manufactured um, premise or ideology that they're trying to have the masses believe. So I think I'll I'll have Justin kind of end us off for this episode. Um, but if you've got anything else to add, and then I'll do a little plug here for Moms for Liberty. Yeah, I just thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And um, I think the I'll just leave you with a couple of thoughts I had while you were talking. One, I think, is like at the end of the day, you know, we're all believers in freedom, right? We're all about medical freedom and letting people choose what they want to do with their lives. So I'm a believer in when my son gets older, you know, when we, we'll probably homeschool him. But when he gets to a certain age, I'm willing to let him decide whether what direction he wants to take. And then you really can show them, oh, wow, so this is both sides of the coin and show them what's right and wrong. And, um, you know, it's our food isn't quite the same as our parents and grandparents ate. Our TV shows aren't quite the same. Our schooling system 
everything is becoming a little too they're they're, they're kind of ruining it at all and they're but what's when they ruin it what are we going to do we're going to go back to the old ways and i think it's it's probably a good thing it's probably part of the process cuz heck we weren't all just going to change and fix all this stuff until it got really bad and our backs were against the wall i think that's kind of how we are as as a uh, as society and human nature you know you don't really act until you've given those 2 weeks to live right and then when people realize oh my gosh there literally is sexually explicit stuff in the book and they're trying to monitor what my five-year-old is looking at when they're at school that's when i think people are gonna stand up and and fight back and taking back our power on the local level at these school board meetings and just educating other parents and school board members i think will be the the way out of this so i appreciate you all doing what you're doing and i know that we'll uh, keep making that ripple effect here in orange and seminole county yeah I truly believe capitalism at its best is you find that hole, right? You find the thing that doesn't exist yet and you create it. And then there's a new thing for other people to be a part of and enjoy. So thank you guys for your time today. If you guys don't know Justin, he is We Are Change Orlando. He is the founder of that. And you can follow him on Instagram at Justin underscore We Are Change. He does all sorts of amazing things around here. And uh, I believe is in a documentary that's coming out here in the next couple of days as well. So be following him for that. And uh, Jessica and Leslie, I love you girls. Thank you so much for bringing this to my attention so that we can share this information with others. If you are a homeschool, or I'm sorry, if you're a, we'll call it government school parent, um, then I would suggest highly that you get involved with Moms for Liberty in your county. Seminole County is as we said before, uh, the, the gold standard, if you will, but we back up and running here in Orange County and there are Moms for Liberty chapters all across the country. It's not just for moms, dads, grandparents. If you're a concerned citizen, you can absolutely join uh, that fight. And unfortunately, we have a lot more work to do and we have a lot more people's feet to hold to the fire, but we're not going to stop and we're going to keep doing that. And we're going to keep bringing these things to y'all's attention so that you can be a part of the change and just make this a better world generation for our kiddos. So thank you guys again for being here and I'll see you on the next one. I will make your name famous from now on so people will praise you forever and ever. Psalm 45, 17. If you liked today's episode and want more info, check out lifejesusstyle.com and hashtag lifejesusstyle on social media.